Hey, welcome into God's Word During Exile. We're trying to play a prank on Matt Nelson right now, but it kind of failed because Mike was still trying to pour his tea out into his <laughs> mug. Well, it, was, um, it was water. It's becoming tea. There. Oh, it's becoming tea. Is wow. that like transubstantiation? <laughs> Consubstantiation. Get it right. <laughs> So at what <laughs> at what level at what molecular level does the water turn into tea? Is it still water on the outside and then just on the inside it's tea? 42. Is it water all the way through? The answer is 42. The answer is 42. I love I love hearing that. Guys, welcome in. We are happy to have you here. This is a group of pastors who get together to study God's word. And we like to have a little bit of a jovial time together in um precursor to us digging deep into God's word. And then I just like to spam us with gifts the whole way through. So uh, we're trying to keep it lighthearted. Today, we find ourselves back in Revelation 18. Um, and today we're going to talk about lament and upsetness and anger and all that funness that comes along with lament. Lighthearted I'm lament. Attempt, I'm going to attempt to find gifts on lament and Hopefully, they're tasteful, but we'll see. In fact, I already have one that comes to mind right now. Um, and so we're going to just go ahead and get this thing started. And I'm going to try to pull up that gift really quick so that we can all enjoy it uh, as we traverse through. So Ben's over here. Mike's down here. Matt's over here. Mike uh, is somewhere over in this. Oh, no, wait, he's right here. And uh, we can go ahead and oh, don't forget. I didn't hear from anybody this past week on God's word during exile at gmail.com. And I'm in fact, you know what? This week we're talking about lament. I got to tell you this whole past week, I lamented that I didn't receive a single email from anyone at God's word during exile, all one word at gmail.com. <laughs> so perhaps somebody could perk up my lament by sending me an email to God's word during exile. All right, we'll see how it goes. Let's get this party started. Um, I believe opening in prayer is going to be the very dapper, scrumptious looking Ben Baker today. Who's that? There he is. <laughs> All right, let's... Holy Father, thank you again for another uh, day that you've given to us and another opportunity to uh, look at your word and to study it and, and learn from it and, and learn of you. Uh, and just pray this morning that uh, as we look at the topic of lament and what that means and what it means to suffer and, and all of that, that you would indeed teach us uh, what it means to suffer, to suffer well. Uh, what it means to cry out to you and to trust in your promises. Um, so ask your blessing on this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks be to God for that prayer. Um, we are, oh, Mike, do you want to take the intro for this? I don't want to cut you off. So go ahead, Mike, take over. I don't really have much to say other than we're in Revelation 18 and W is going to read for us. So we want to pick up in verse nine. Yeah. So we'll, we'll read nine and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read through verse 20 
And basically, that's all about a lament, uh, with the exception of the last verse. And so, um, here we go. <laughs> oh, Elmo. <laughs> Suffer, huh? Uh, all right. This uh, is the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the English Standard Version today, beginning with verse 9 of Revelation 18. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single all the single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city! where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Here ends our reading. So now, I didn't want to cut you off because that was just so, you, you drew me in, Matt, as you did that reading tonight. But now if we could go back through and maybe Ben, you might be able to help us a little bit more with this, but I'm wondering if we could go back through and read it with this voice character, right? Like here's C-3PO, <laughs> C-3PO, this gif, you know, one of the great ones from Star Wars where C-3PO, hmm. who's a droid, for those of you who don't know about Star Wars, and he says, we seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. So maybe we want to go back through and read those verses like C-3PO. So interesting point about C-3PO, the voice we all come to know and love as C-3PO was not intended to be the original C-3PO voice. They were going to do voiceover work, but the, the actor that did it did such a great job. They kept it in. Did you know that? Um, no. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I've got nerdy stuff. Yeah, no, Matt, you like, I really enjoyed you reading that. It was really great. You had great inflection and stuff, except for one line in okay. 13, which terrified me because you got to human souls and you were like, 
and human souls. <laughs> it, was, it was a little creepy, but uh, I appreciated it. Uh, <laughs> I, if I, I did the it. C-3PO one, it would be just kind of like a really like a woe is me complaining like, oh, all is lost. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how a droid could uh, sound like that, whiny and complaining all the time. But it's pretty uh, funny. I do think it's it's good for us to point out because we will be talking about uh, the topic of lament. Um, I think it's important to to note here, though, that the laments that we see in the text that we read um, are not really godly laments. Uh, these are the sinful people lamenting the destruction of the sinful city, right? And, and that's where, so it might seem strange then to have verse 20 say, rejoice, O heaven. But that's the point, because this is God's judgment upon unbelievers. This is God's judgment upon the wicked city. And so there are these, these laments, but it's interesting that they're lamenting because of what they're losing materially. They're lamenting because in their eyes, Babylon was this great and powerful city and it was so great. And they're like, ah, no, it's all gone. And God says, well, to the saints, rejoice over her destruction because God has given judgment for you against her. And so, um, so when we're talking about lament today, we're not talking about lamenting over uh, the judgment of sinful things, but, <laughs> but we're talking about it in a, in a different uh, direction. But, yeah. but see, well, good thing we have Ben in order to redirect <laughs> us and say, you know, C3PO's lament, not what we're talking about today. Yeah, so. that was a harsh rebuke, actually. Of, of I felt your, it. Yeah. That Ben has. <laughs> Ben has quite the acid tongue when it comes to rebuking. It's, uh, it's why we love him the most. Yep. Perfected yeah. it over the years of impressing. <laughs> but, God's you know, a, we'll, how we'll to get to classes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get to uh, talk more about that at the end when we get to that last verse. But it's important to keep in mind that there is this. Um, I don't know if you want to say two sides of the same coin, but everything gets flipped. And there's like this great reversal that happens where those who are lamenting at one time will be rejoicing later and vice versa. And so uh, without getting into all that good stuff uh, right now, maybe we should just start with like what lament is. And then uh, I don't know if you want to look first at this, you know, the example of the ungodly lamenting before we go to. Uh, the godly lamenting or or which way you want to go but i think we should just talk about the concept of lamenting in general i mean lament is one of those church words right when was the last time you heard someone say lament on the street <clears throat> ever have you ever heard it outside of the church or you know like a seminary guys is that lament that's no. i don't think that's lament okay uh, right right there was uh there was a guy <laughs> that was um you know, I uh, forget what which character it was on Space Ghost Coast to Coast cartoon talking about the lamentations of his foes. Yeah, that's the only well, thing I'll, I'll, find, it sounds that. Like I'll find that. Don't worry. There you okay, go. How about this? Is this lament? It might be closer. Okay, closer. All right. So might, we got might, crying. Might have been the Brack show. Particularly. Right, Space Ghost. 
All right. So while he's looking ben, that up, ben, why don't you save us, Ben? What's lament? Ben? What is lament? What are we talking about? I think a lot of times when we just throw out the word lament there, we, we kind of just think about, you know, saying, you know, or like sadness at what's happening or something like that. Um, I don't know if we always define it really well, um, but we, we do see examples, you know, of this in the scriptures, like the book of Lamentations, you know, Jeremiah is writing his lament concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. Right. And so I think uh, a helpful way to understand it um, is actually a definition given by uh, Dr. Gregory Scholes of Concordia University, Wisconsin. And he talks about lament as the cry of no. Right. So when we are encountering something that is that is painful or is like this isn't right. And our our response to that is to say it is to cry out and say, no, this should not be happening. Um, and he contrasts that with uh, with animals, for example. So, you know, we know that animals feel pain, but they don't suffer because they don't object to the pain. You know, they're not crying out, you know, that they shouldn't be in pain. It's just it just is what it is. And they deal with it and move on. There's no objection to it. But the human being, the human creature can object to that pain and that suffering and say something is not right you know or why is this happening um and so that's that's what's going on in i mean in part in lament is that it's that cry of no this isn't right this shouldn't be happening i shouldn't be experienced this that person shouldn't be uh undergoing this terrible thing um you know or we see it in the in the words of the psalms you know like how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? That sense of abandonment and crying out to God, you know, why is this situation the way it is? You know, um, so really quick, Ben, as you're gathering your thoughts, um, I think with it being football season, allow me to share with you what I think lament would look oh, like on a football no. field. How about this? Oh, good. I figured it was going to be like, it was going to be the wide right kick from the Bills Super Bowl where they lost. I think that that's a good one. Lament. So Ben, as you were as you were talking about what lament is, it's that that uh, cry out of no, right? <clears throat> we just earlier this week had All Saints Day, um, and All Saints is one of my favorite days in the church here. It's a day where we celebrate God's faithfulness and making us to be His saints through Christ. We celebrate all those saints that came before us and gave us the gospel. We remember those that have passed away in the last year that God has been faithful to call home. We remember all these wonderful things. But All Saints Day, though I love it, and it's one of the one of my favorite services we do at SLB, it's also one of the hardest services I have of the year. Because as I show up there and I remember those that have died, there, there is this lament, this cry of no within me right? They rest in paradise. And that's amazing. But for us, like they shouldn't have died. They shouldn't be gone. This is the effects of sin. It shouldn't be here. And it hurts and it's painful. And you do, you just cry out to the Lord and, and just, it hurts. Anyway, that's what I have. <laughs> or like yeah. the, the oh. feast of the innocents, you know, uh, the, the, oh, rec- the service of recognition of all the babies who were killed in Bethlehem when Herod was trying to kill Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, it's important thing to remember, oh, but it's a painful thing to dwell on. Yes, it's, it's interesting. I'll just 
make a note here. This would be, you know, a topic to explore in a completely different session, but it is something that also that Dr. Greg Schultz brings out is that he would see a connection between the failure of human beings to lament and the culture of death in which we live with abortion and euthanasia and things like this, because what's, what's kind of driving all of that? What is kind of the underlying ethic of it, as it were? And essentially it is, well, the way to deal with suffering is to get rid of the sufferer, right? Because suffering somehow makes in, in this line of thinking somehow makes you less than human or it makes your life less valuable. And so we hear this kind of language all the time, right? So, you know, I mean, in the case of abortion, if that child would, you know, a lot of times we hear it tried to be argued, well, who knows whether, you know, what if they ended up just suffering their, their whole lives? Well, it was better if they were just killed from the start, um, you know, or this elderly person is suffering. So it's better just to end their suffering. And or so and so has a terminal disease, so it's better to just end their suffering and give them drugs that will kill them, right? Or or even so and so is experiencing so much suffering in their life, they should just kill themselves and be done with it. And and all of that, you know, not only does it suggest that suffering makes us less human or makes human life less valuable, but it also, and I think really what what runs under a lot of this is it allows the rest of us to pretend like suffering doesn't exist. And I mean, that's kind of the whole idea of moving, of trying to move things toward utopia, right? We can get rid of suffering. We can get rid of pain. We can get rid of all of the problems. And what ends up happening is that the only way that we know how to do that is to get rid of all the people that are suffering. So we can pretend like we've achieved this goal. And it, it fails to recognize the fact that to be human, this side of the fall, to be human is to suffer. It is part of what it means to be a human being. We suffer. And, and we have to learn how to deal with that because dealing with it by trying to hide all the suffering people away, you know, we'll just tuck them all into nursing homes or we'll just kill them, get rid of them. It doesn't work because we've been trying that for a long time and we still have suffering in this world. Right. Um, you know, and, and those of us who, you know, who are not um, in those kinds of situations, terminal diseases, so on and so forth, we still suffer too. So we have not solved the problem by uh, trying to pretend like it doesn't exist and trying to get rid of the sufferer. And so um, it's basic, you know, all of this is, is just a, it's a ridiculous exercise in unreality and it has devastating consequences for reality, for the human being. Um, and so we need to recover and learn how to suffer and learn how to, um, to deal with that. And lament is a big part of that. And, and as we're gonna get to, it's not just crying out an objection to pain and suffering, but in order for it to be something that is actually uh, good and beneficial in a way, it always has to bring us back to God's word. So it's not just, you know, 
the crying out against it, but it's also to whom are you crying out, right? And, and I think that a good example of this is when I was in community college, uh, I took a class on like early world history, right? And we're going through, you know, the Sumerians, Mesopotamians, all of that. And, and one of the assignments that was given to us was to compare and contrast, you know, what was simply called a Mesopotamian, was it like a prayer of, or prayer to the unknown God or something like that or unknown gods. Okay. And it was this Mesopotamian person. I don't know if it was male or female, but they're seeing all this suffering around them and this destruction and, and they're crying out against it, but they have no idea to whom they are crying out. It's just like to the unknown God or gods or goddesses. Like, I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm just kind of trying to cover all of my bases, crying out and lament. Maybe one of these unknown gods or goddesses will hear my cry and do something about it. Right. So there's, there's no certainty involved in that. It's just kind of a, I'm throwing it out there in the hopes that relief will come. And that was part of the assignment was to compare that with Job. And, and what I found was really interesting is that the intent of the assignment, I think, I think the intent was to try to say that the account of Job was basically the same as this cry of lament to the unknown gods and goddesses, because it's driven by that whole idea that, oh, you know, all religions are the same. Everybody's, you know, exactly the same, you know, all roads all religious loads lead to God and all this kind of stuff. But what's interesting is that the only point of comparison was that they lamented. <laughs> you know, as you, as you read the, the book of Job, you know, and you read Job's responses to his suffering, yes, he cries out, but he knows exactly to whom he is crying out, right? He knows who he's talking to, right? And that makes all the difference in the world, um, a lament that is just out there all by itself, not knowing to whom it's directed with no confidence whatsoever that it'll even be answered is a hopeless and despairing thing. But when that cry of lament is directed to a God who is known, who has revealed himself, who has spoken. And as we'll talk about more, who has himself entered into our suffering and who gives us promises to believe in the midst of suffering. That's a very different thing altogether. There is actually hope there in the midst of the suffering versus the utter hopelessness of just crying out into the darkness as it were about what you're going through. So there's a massive difference between those two things. And you see Job holding on to those promises, <laughs> even in the midst of the worst of times, right? After that first round of suffering, <clears throat> the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And then in Job 19, um, I know that my Redeemer lives. Like he, he's holding on to the promises of God through all of that. And that's mm -hmm. really, really important to, to bear in mind. <clears throat> and we see like with Judas, when he sorrowed over his sin, he did not look to God and find hope and healing and forgiveness. He killed mm -hmm. himself. Right. And he ended his life in despair. Um, and that's not a healthy or a godly lamenting. 
because it doesn't end in faith in God's word uh, and the blessings that come with that. You know, as a pastor, one of the things that I see, and I maybe you guys can relate to this. I know I've heard from other pastors similarly with this, that um, some of us are really concerned about this idea of um, like a, when someone dies, having a celebration of life. Um, and I understand that, you know, for, for Christians who do this, usually the reasoning seems to be that, well, we know that really this is better for them and they're with the Lord. And so we rejoice in that and we give thanks to God for their life. And I, I understand that and I, I can support that, but, uh, you know, from unbelievers, you'll also hear and, and really though, maybe especially with them, this is a problem that they don't want to dwell on the negative and they just want to be positive about this and what you really see happening. And this is with Christians and non-Christians alike is that they really don't want to dwell on how much it hurts. They don't want to lament. They are avoiding it with everything that they have. They just can't go there. And, and especially if the deceased is an unbeliever or if the person who is sorrowing is an unbeliever, it's a hopeless thing and it hurts to lament and to really go there and, and let it sting. Um, but, um, but we need to let it hurt because if we don't really mourn and grieve over this, we will never find closure and healing from it. It's like somebody who is sick, but they don't want to, you know, admit it and get the proper treatment. But if you kind of let it hurt and you, um, and then you realize that you need a, a salve for the, the pain and for your illness, then you will seek out the remedy and then you can find true healing and peace. And so when you avoid the pain and you pretend it doesn't exist, you, you can't move on and you can't find the help that you need in that. Um, and it will, as much as you try to avoid it, it will follow you around forever. And so um, we, we need to be come okay with letting it hurt and then finding the help uh, that we need for it. Yeah. And so that would be another example of this trying to pretend like suffering doesn't exist. Right. So that's kind of the, the point of, as you're saying, Matt, the celebration of life versus the funeral. Right. Let's just focus on their life and then we can, can be happy, but that's actually does a great disservice to the family and and friends are those who who are most impacted by the loss of that person because it denies them the freedom to grieve publicly right um so whatever grieving they have to do they have to do in private because they can't show it in public because we think that somehow that's weak or we tell them you just got to move on right super unhelpful super Mm -hmm. stupid stuff to say right grieving is 
is important and, and necessary. And in fact, it is the appropriate response to death because death is unnatural. Death was not meant to be in this world. And when we grieve and lament death, we are recognizing that this is not just a quote unquote part of life, right? This is an intruder into God's good creation. And that, that lament, that grief is recognizing, Hey, something isn't right here. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's good for us to recognize because death is not right. There is even something for a believer, seriously it, wrong. Even if you're <laughs> going to go to be with the Lord, you're going to go to, to paradise. Death still hurts. It's awful. It's a result of sin. It should not be like this. And everybody who's left hurting behind feels it. And if you ignore it, it doesn't help. And, and uh, you know, another thing as pastors, and, and if you've had a loved one that has, you know, um, approached death or, or uh, has died and you've been close to them through it, you know that it is not a fun experience to die. And, and we can't pretend that it's not an issue. It doesn't help anything if we, if we just ignore the suffering of it. Yeah. And we can see, you know, in, in our Lord himself, as he, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the grave in very mm -hmm. short order, he weeps over Lazarus's death. Right. And, and St. Paul tells us, he doesn't tell us that as Christians, we don't grieve. No, he says that we, we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but he doesn't say we don't grieve death. Right. And so, so there, there will be a difference to how we grieve. There will be a difference to how we interact with those who are, who are grieving, who are, who are in the, in the church, who are, are Christians, because, um, there is, and we'll, and we'll get to this as we develop this more too, but there is hope there, but, but we should also make a note too, that, that hope and grief are not opposite. They're not opposed to each other. You can have, uh, the hope of resurrection and grieve the death of your loved ones and your friends. These are not, you know, you can have the hope of resurrection and cry out in protest to the suffering that you endure. They're not opposed to each other. It's right. not like we all have to be, you know, stoics in that sense and hide, hide all the emotion and the feeling inside and just put on a, you know, a straight face. And this is how we deal with suffering, you know, nor do we have to be, the Epicurean that says, ah, let's just pretend like it doesn't exist or drown ourselves in, in drunkenness and revelry and feasting and all of this stuff and try to ignore it that way. Um, we have to deal with it. Um, and we want to deal with it in a, in a healthy way. Um, and so again, having hope does not mean that you have to feel happy all the time, right? Having hope is not opposed to pain and suffering. But that hope allows you to endure that pain and suffering without uh, plummeting to the depths of despair or without denying the reality of that pain and suffering. Yeah, that I, this next, uh, I, I think when we release this, this snippet will, was some of the best stuff that we've said uh, especially when it comes to death. I think we're going to, this is going to encourage a lot of people because I think a lot of times people think that when you show emotion, it's a sign of weakness. 
and so grieving is definitely something that gets sweeped under the carpet because people are like, well, I don't want people to know how I'm feeling. So I just say that I'm good. And in fact, I love the fact that you guys tied it to the fall too, that you guys are saying like, this is not supposed to happen. Therefore we grieve because it's not supposed to happen. And I think that's great. I think that'll really resonate with a lot of people who are listening. So thank you for sharing that. Well, do we want to jump into kind of a classic lament from the Psalms and check that out to give us a little better perspective as to what we're looking at in Revelation? Sure. Um, we can just take a look at Psalm 22. Um, we're not going to go through the, the whole thing. Oh, come on. We got a half an hour left. We can totally do it. <laughs> but uh, again, um, should almost put the links to those conversations that Brian Wolf Miller had with Gregory Schultz on here. Um, I think it'd be fantastic for people to listen to. Um, and I think he has a book coming out that, that deals with this too. Um, Cause I think it's really fantastic, but uh, he's, he speaks of Psalm 22 as kind of the quintessential Psalm of lament. And, you know, sometimes we try to divide up the Psalms and like this many Psalms are this type of Psalm and this many Psalms are that type of Psalm. And I think, I think what he was saying in this too, is that, essentially the majority of the Psalms are lament Psalms. Like it just, that's what's going on in them, you know? So, so maybe some familiar phrases from, you know, we, we hear, you know, how long O Lord will you forget me forever? Right. That's Psalm a cry 13. of lament. Yeah. And, and how much in the Psalms, you know, um, where there's just, you know, God, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Like I'm going, you know, my, my soul is going down to Sheol and sorrow, you know, and, you know, and why, why are these things happening? And, you know, the, the psalmist in Psalm 73, you know, he's like, ah, you know, the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. What's the point of all of this? Why am I keeping my hands clean? Why do I cling to God and to his word when all we do is righteous people, we suffer and the wicked prosper, you know? what in the world is going on here, right? Or another way that we could say is like, this doesn't look right. This shouldn't be happening this way, right? Or again, Jeremiah, as he he wrote, you know, the book of Lamentations, I spend some time in there. He is crying out, you know, to God over the destruction of Jerusalem, right? And, and we can even think of, you know, Habakkuk in this way too, and, you know, he's not real thrilled with his people for their sins. And then God says, yeah, I'm going to send Babylon to judge them. He's like, no, 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 not those people early. Are you going to send those? They're so cruel and mean. Like, God, are you really going to send those people? You know? And so we see this throughout, throughout the scriptures, because this is just, this is part of, of life in a fallen world. Right. But all of it, again, is rooted in God's word and God's promises. And so just as a real brief, you know, kind of bird's eye view. We have Psalm 22. We're really familiar with the first verse of it, right? Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, and then he goes and says, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry day by, cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night I find no rest. And he says, you are 
Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. To you they, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. So that's said in a mocking way. This is how he is being mocked. You know, and he says, yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me to trust at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. I guess we're just reading here. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. Yet you lay, you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompassed me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. You, O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him, and you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. And so you can hear, especially in the first part of that psalm, right? The, the language of, of lament. You know, David here is, he's feeling it, right? He's suffering. He's feeling the pain. He's objecting to it. Why, God, are you doing these things to me? You know, uh, my our ancestors, my forefathers, they trusted in you. You delivered them. And yet it seems like you're not paying any attention to me, right? And our Lord himself prays this psalm from the cross, right? The quintessential sufferer, right? And, you know, it's interesting because David doesn't leave it with, where are you, God? You aren't answering me. Why am I dealing with this? Why am I suffering this? He ends it with, basically, this is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has said. And God's promises will come true. Right? He will save the one who is suffering. May not in this life, as far as removing suffering, but has not God provided the eternal salvation and restoration and resurrection of those who trust in him. Right. So the, so it ends 
in resurrection. It ends in these are the promises of God. And this is really the way that lament is intended to work, that, that it's okay to cry out to God in the midst of our suffering, right? It's okay to say, why, God, is this happening to me or to us or to my family, to my friends? You know, why is this happening? This evil in the, in the world, too. Why, why is this going on? Why don't you save us? It seems like, God, you're not answering me. But it doesn't stay there. It moves to this is what God has said. And this is what he has promised. And I think that that illustrates something uh, very well that, you know, you guys probably remember from, well, from Dr. Bo in, in seminary. What, what are the three things Luther says that makes a theologian? Do you remember? Oratio, meditatio, meditatio. Oh, yeah, levitatio, right? In levitatio. <laughs> That's right. So, so prayer, meditation, suffering, right? And levitation. You know, and levitation. <laughs> and levitation. Um, and we should just make a note that meditation, that's not some, you know, concept of empty your mind and don't think of anything. But meditation in the context of scripture is uh, intentional, brain-engaged study of God's word. What is God saying to me? Filling uh, your mind <clears throat> yes. with um, God's word. Right. Yeah. And then the suffering or the, the German, the Anfektung, right? The, the suffering. Because, because in the suffering, we learn that we are helpless. We learn that we cannot, we can't save ourselves. I mean, that's part of, that's part of, I think, part of what drives the whole let's cover up the suffering because it is a glaring obvious statement you can't save yourself right but we like to think that we can oh we can solve this with medicine we can solve this with that we can if we just have enough education enough technology enough this enough that if we just get rid of the wrong kinds of people right you know we can save ourselves and we can bring heaven on earth and we can accomplish all of this stuff and then reality hits and there's suffering and there's death and there's sickness and there's pain and there's all this evil all over the world and it screams out against us. Yeah, you can't do a darn thing about it, right? And so suffering really attacks and assaults our collective pride in our own ability to save ourselves, to accomplish such great things that reminds us we are but creatures. And the only one who can do anything about it is God himself, who in fact has done something about it because he isn't somewhere out there just kind of looking down, you know, oh, you're suffering. I don't really care. You know, or some, you know, anyways, uh, his God's answer to our suffering, what he has done is he has come down into our humanity, right? This is the whole point of the incarnation, right? The, the holy God, the eternal God comes into our flesh and blood and he suffers right and that's what we have in christ i mean there's a reason why you know isaiah and i believe it's the fourth servant song he speaks of christ it might be the fifth he speaks of christ as a man of sorrows acquainted with griefs right and he is spoken of as you know one who has borne our griefs and our sufferings right that's why we speak of him as the, the suffering servant right and so so what God has done about that is he's come down into our suffering, 
to come down into our flesh and blood. He, he suffers for us and with us. And he dies our death, right? So that he then rises to new life. So that as we share, as St. Paul will talk about how we share in the sufferings of Christ. So as we share in those sufferings, we also share in his resurrection and eternal life. And so there is no way to escape suffering in this life. The escape comes in the next life, in the age to come, right? And, and so maybe that kind of leaves us with, well, what do we do here now in the midst? But one is we can pray the Psalms. And, you know, God's word is, is effective. It's active. And it teaches us how to suffer. It teaches us to trust God's word and God's promises because we got nothing in us that we can trust. You know, we can't solve this problem, right? Um, and also, we are reminded that, you know, Jesus says to his church, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? That Christ is with us in the midst of suffering and he himself knows what it is to suffer. So it's not like he's any stranger to it. He gets it. He understands it. And he is here with, with us in the midst of that suffering. And in fact, this is also part of what it means when we go to uh, receive his very body and blood and Lord's Supper, we receive Christ right, within us, that, that Christ is with us always. And so we are never alone in our suffering. And, we don't, and, that's, and that's true even when it feels like we are alone. We are, in fact, not ever alone because Christ is always with us. And, and God is always wanting to direct the human heart back to his word, back to his promises, right? To trust him, no matter what things look like to our eyes, no matter what we're feeling, we trust the one thing that is true and certain always, right? And um, I was going in particular, but I said, now I forgot. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll well, jump in and let you. Wait, 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 <laughs> as you're thinking about that, Mike, <laughs> let me ask you a question, Mike Hussey. Does it bring you comfort to know that Jesus is mourning with you during this? Oh, oh buddy, <laughs> it is the only comfort in the face of four Bills Super Bowl losses. Let me tell you the truth. <laughs> like, let let's just look at the lament on the wide the right rep's face as he just is like wide right crying yeah <laughs> rough. rough thanks thanks for that i knew it was coming um so ben, ben so you brought up is, oh, oh, go ahead no i don't want to anymore <laughs> ben you brought up two really great things you talked about uh a pray well you read you had a lot of great things but a couple of things that caught my mind you talked about praying the psalms when you're going through suffering which i think is a wonderful blessing um because in the psalms you end up you end up connecting with the psalmists that are going through the same emotion, same feeling, same pain that you're, you're going through. And it's a beautiful thing to know that you don't suffer alone and you connect on a, on a kind of human level, even though it's, it's very distant in those laments and those cries out to God. But another thing that you said is, is even though at times it feels like Christ is not with you, he always is. There's even a Psalm that you can go to, and it doesn't resolve in happy things. It's all lament. Psalm 88, the psalmist ends it feeling like God is not there and darkness is his only friend. And so even in those really dark times that you have, you can connect with other people that trusted in God as well, that felt the same way you are. You can pray those same words 
and trust that, you know, God is with you, even though you feel like Psalm 88. So really, really good stuff. And I think that illustrates too the importance of the community of the body of Christ that, you know, that we bear each other's burdens, right? We weep with those who weep, we mourn with those who mourn, right? And so often it just seems like when we come to someone who's mourning, because we feel so uncomfortable with it, we just want them to move on so that we can feel comfortable again. Or, you know, if you're like, I don't really know what to say, like, that's okay. You don't even necessarily have to say anything. Um, Or you can simply give an acknowledgement of the pain and and suffering that they are going through. Um, But but it does uh, reinforce the, the need for fellow Christians to, to understand together the place of suffering in the life of the Christian. And, and one of the most unhelpful ways that this has come about or that, that we do is, well, maybe God is teaching you something in the midst of your suffering. And all that does is it points you back to you. And if you can't find out what it is and you're like, oh, man, I just must be really stupid because I can't figure out what God is, is teaching me in this. And, and I think it's super helpful to, I think Pastor Brian Wolfmiller says this in a helpful way, that in the midst of suffering, God doesn't give us reasons why we're suffering. He gives us promises to believe, right? So, and that's often part of the torment of suffering is we don't know why it's happening, right? And so we want to come up with all of these ideas. Well, maybe it's because of this, or maybe it's because of that, or maybe if I'm learning this thing, then that, that makes the suffering worthwhile, you know, but we really want to resist going that direction. And we don't want to send people that direction um, because it really misses entirely the God who suffers with you and who gives you promises to believe. Because the point of suffering is always repentance and faith. And that doesn't mean that all the time that you suffer, it's in regard to specific sins, but it is that general, you know, this is the general principle of the Christian life. What right? Repentance and faith. I mean, that's always what's going on. Um, and, and it's part of that whole thing that suffering really assaults our pride and, and shows us just how weak we are and how much our only hope for not only for eternal salvation, but just for life itself. Uh, we are dependent on the God who created us and who sustains us and who came down into our flesh and blood and suffered and died and rose for us. And so even a life that is filled with nonstop suffering is not a wasted life. It's not a life that's not worth living. Um, and it's not a life without hope either. And so we need to collectively learn how to suffer because we're going to continue to do so as long as this age is in place. And if we don't know how to suffer well, we can't help other people suffer well either. And we end up in all kinds of messes you know and and even to the point where like with job's very unhelpful friends well it's probably because you committed some sin and god's mad at you right so you're beaten up and broken and you're suffering and here let me take that hammer and just beat you some more with it right incredibly unhelpful stuff right you know but but so is also the denying the effectual denying of the suffering of our neighbors when we just want them to move on or when you know, oh, hey, I'll give me a call if there's anything you need. And then I'll never talk to you again about, right. You know, or, you know, or it's been, you know, it's been a year since they, they lost their, their spouse or child or, 
or loved one and what you're not over that yet. I mean, all of that says to them that, that they should be able to move past suffering that, that if they're still suffering and grieving over that, that somehow there's, there's something wrong with them. There's something that is deficient there. And there is a difference between, you know, wallowing in, in grief and never being able to get out of that because that's all that consumes you. That's kind of the hopelessness part. But again, bringing the hope of the promises of God does not mean that we won't feel the pain of suffering and grief and loss. So those two things are not opposed to each other. So, yeah. I can let somebody else talk. I've been talking most. Man, I got to be honest. It's just been so good. Like if Ben was in one of those um, armchairs, like the beginning of Masterpiece Theater, and I'm just like crisscross applesauce right in front of him, just drinking from what he <laughs> I mean, this was, this was great, man. This like, this ministered to me while recording this, like it was great. So thank you for your insight, Ben, on it. It's yeah, really good. Yeah, I, have, I think, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, yeah, I've, I've got nothing to add to what Ben said. So let's move on. But you have, well, something. on Mike's behalf, I got something to add for him. <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> oh, yes. Man. Wide right. Oh, Mike. Still wide we right. Feel you, we feel your pain. The Vikings. Also on four, buddy. Losses. Yeah. It's the life of a Minnesota sports fan. You know, guys, I got to tell you, just move out to New England. Tom Brady won. I don't even know how. I, I Does he even have fingers left for Super Bowl rings? Yeah, he does. Because <laughs> of Eli Manning. It's all Eli Manning. Uh, well, um, as we kind of transition back to Revelation 18, um, I think what might be helpful is that we've been talking recently about the suffering of a Christian or just a human being, but that even Christians suffer. We, we come back um, and maybe especially Christians suffer in this world. I think I can say that, that uh, as we come back to it, we got to remember that uh, as we look at this lament of these evil people at the fall of Babylon or the, basically the wicked nation uh, or the wicked city of our world, as it represents wickedness in our world, that they are lamenting here, but previously and leading up to this, they had been successful and thriving and, and um, they are on the other side of the story. So when the Christian is saying, why are wicked people thriving and I'm suffering, I thought I was following the one true God and that he would be blessing me. And yet I'm, I'm uh, poor and, and people despise me and and look at that wicked nation over there and they're thriving they have fancy clothes and lots of money and they're popular and and they get to do whatever they want and and uh and so they they thrive for a moment they've got their day in the sun right and and yet now we see that the tables are turning and now, now that thriving has come to an end and the way of wickedness, which seemed right for a time, 
seemed really good and wonderful for a moment is now crashing and burning and um and everyone is startled and and several times here we see or or i guess as they'd say out east there a couple times uh (laughs) right mike (laughs) you told us that uh that out out there by you that when somebody says a couple it could mean a few oh yeah for for us uh, around here but a few times uh in this text that they can do nothing but try to stand far away because they don't want to get burned by this uh this judgment that's coming upon babylon even these people that had supported it and thrived off of it um are are just crying out saying alas alas um as this mighty city crumbles to, to what you said there, Matt, why is it that so often we Christians can default into believing that God is some kind of cosmic vending machine, right? That if we have enough faith, if we pray enough, if we do enough good works, if we avoid enough sin, if we show up to church enough, well, then, you know, we're pressing uh, J8 and we're going get to our, get our whatever it is that we hope for um, because God has accepted our payment and it, it comes to us. That's not, that's not the God of scripture, but our mm. minds are stupid i guess is the right thing and we keep kind of going back to that and relying in that by nature it's just the nature of humanity because it's all we can understand is the law and morality and and you get what you earn right it's a it's it's not grace it's wages that's what the world understands um you reap what you sow and so if i do bad things bad things will happen to me. If I do good things, good things will happen to me. And that's why I think that's why we see that showing up all throughout history and all different nations of the world, basically in any religion other than Christianity, this is what you see. And the one thing that is not like the others is the message of God's grace to us in Christ, the free gift of God for those who believe it's, it's the only truly unique teaching in the world and it's not from this world. Right. Um, yeah. If we jump back to the lament and the suffering thing too, for a moment, I'll just say to you that um, in all this, you know, when we are experiencing those things, you know, we, we should always remember too, that we have, an enemy, right? Who wants to destroy us, you know, the devil and his demons. And, you know, he comes along with the lies that your life isn't worth living if you're suffering or, you know, just end it all, or God doesn't care about you because you're suffering. And this is a sign of God's judgment against you. And it's all despair and this and that, right. And he comes with his lies. And that is also, you know, just super important why we need to always be rooted in God's word, right? And to know his words. And this would be, you know, the importance also of memorization so that those things can come to mind, but to, in the midst of your suffering, to not neglect the word of God, you know, and, and also, you know, as fellow Christians to bring God's word and promises to our, um, to our brothers and sisters and neighbors who are suffering, um, you know, but, but also to, you know, to hear God's word, to remember, um, you know, 
go to church, confess your sins, be absolved, remember, hear those promises of God, hear what he has done for you in holy baptism, go to the Lord's table, go receive uh, Christ given to you for the forgiveness of your sins and hear those promises of God because the devil will indeed lie to you. Um, and he would love nothing more than to destroy you. And so we need that continual armor and protection, you know, and so, you know, praying, hearing, hearing God's promises, hearing the forgiveness of our sins, going to the Holy Sacrament, you know, um, the mutual conversation of the brethren, as it were, that, you know, bearing one another's burdens, um, speaking the truth of God's word to each other, um, because we have a very active enemy who wants to destroy us. <clears throat> That's not really a happy place to end. I mean, you had some gospel in there, but you ended with our great enemy wants to destroy us. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that, but we're out of time. So there's nothing I can do. We're just stuck. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm not. Uh, I figured out the title for this video <laughs> in the description. The description is going to be this week. We pretended we were going to talk about revelation and instead talked about lament. So this was, this was excellent. Well, it was great though. Yeah, it, it was great. It was great. So if yeah. you want a way to, to cap it off that, you know, yes, suffering is a reality in this age, but it doesn't last forever, right? There is a day coming, uh, the day of resurrection, the day of everlasting life. I mean, yes, it's it is true that upon death the you know the soul of the Christian goes to be uh, in paradise with God, but that you know is temporary. The fullness of salvation is coming when Christ returns and raises the dead and makes all things new, new heavens and new earth, where there's no more tears, no more crying, no more suffering, no more sin or death. Right, that is the victory, and that's what we celebrate very much on All Saints Day. Right, yeah. This is this is the victory Christ risen from the grave and therefore we also rise with him and so it does not last forever hey there's a good news all right we'll end on the good news we'll go to the lord in prayer heavenly father we uh, thank you so much for today and we thank you for this opportunity to talk about lament and suffering in this life lord you've promised that on this side of glory suffering is going to come and it's going to come for various reasons but when we suffer and have hard times that doesn't mean that you've forsaken us that doesn't mean that you don't care about us doesn't mean that you're not with us. God, you have promised to be with us in all of those things. And we know that our suffering only lasts um, for a short time. God, we have your promises that we are declared to be your saints in Christ. You have given us the promise of life and life eternal with you. You have promised that when death finally meets us, it will be a doorway onto eternal life because of the finished work of Christ. And we will spend eternity in the new heavens and the new earth with no more pain, suffering, death, or sin. And Lord, we thank you for it. Remind us of those things as we suffer. Uh, allow us to freely call out and lament to you and trust that you sustain us through it all. We pray these things in your holy name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not again. Well, thank you to everyone except for Mike Natal. <laughs>